Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Prayer Life Matters. It's a series on prayer, and we're joining churches all over Paramount to talk about prayer. Prayer moves the hand of God, so let's take our seat. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them you're in the right place at the right time right now. I believe that this morning. We welcome all of you. We're glad you're here. We're going to have a wonderful time. We had a beautiful time at the 9 o'clock service, and we're glad you're here at the 11 o'clock. A couple of things before uh, I move on to the message here this morning. Uh, Most of you have heard that uh, uh, Pastor David and Linda Tejerina are going to Pa. Puwallop, Washington. Puwallop, Washington. I got it right, I think. And uh, they're going to start a church there. And uh, they'll be back here on October 13th uh, to do their, have their last service. We're going to pray over them. And they're going to start a new church in Puwallop, Washington. That's what it's all about. So most of you know we're a church planting ministry. And we believe in starting works all over. And so there's an open door there. Uh, he's starting his job there uh, in the next couple of days, actually. And then he's just flying down so that we can pray, and he's going back up. So that's, that's already in the making. So we're excited about that. Uh, this morning, we're in our last message, which uh, we've had a sermon series called Prayer Life Matters. And we've been talking about prayer. We've been talking about the power of prayer. And most of us know that prayer is probably one of the most underrated resources in our lives and in our families, in our church. And yet the Bible teaches us that the blessing that God wants to pour out, that God wants to bestow on us, comes as a result of prayer. So I want to read a verse of scripture here and talk about prayer and give you a different angle about prayer that maybe you've never really considered, but I believe you can learn something out of the scripture here. Uh, But this is not my text, but I want to read the scripture out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. And this is what it says. It says, don't worry about anything. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't worry. Be happy. No, that's not what it means. Instead, pray about everything, right? So it says, don't worry, he said, about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And it says, tell God what you need. And thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. And what's going to happen when you experience God's peace? Well, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So let's take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Your word is precious. Your word is powerful. Your word relates to every area of our life. In 2019. So, Father, we pray today that you would open our hearts and remove every distraction, so many diversions and weigh, things that weigh on our mind. Holy Spirit, remove that so that we could be open to what you have to say to us and that your word would speak to us. And, Lord, that the people of God would hear the voice behind the voice. And, Lord, your anointing would be on every word that I speak. And the people said, Amen. Amen. So the Bible says, don't worry about anything, but most of us, what do we do when things happen? We worry, don't we? And yet the scripture says, pray 
about everything. And we must learn through the Word of God that prayer is the conduit by which the power of God comes into your life, comes into your family. It's the way that you lay hold of God's promises and blessings over your life. How many want the promises and blessing over your life? Well, it comes through prayer. And most people, whether they're religious or not, most people, even if they don't even believe in God, at some point in their life, especially when it's a difficult situation or it's a situation, it's a crucial moment of crisis, most people will find themselves praying, Oh, God, I don't want to go to jail. Oh, God, get me out of jail, right? Oh, God, I don't want to get that ticket. Oh, God, I need you to save my marriage. They've never prayed before, but all of a sudden, the situation, the common denominator when people are in crisis is that we pray. And some of us pray differently than others. We may not pray as long as others, but at some point in our life, we are wired to have a relationship with God. We are wired to call out to God. All of us are going to pray in one moment or another, and it's an impulse that God puts inside of us. And so I want to really highlight a particular character in the Bible. In fact, he's in the Old Testament, uh, a, a character by the name of Jacob. Most of you may know who he is, but if you don't, I'll give you a little bit of history about Jacob. And I want to kind of talk about an encounter <clears throat> that he had with God. He had an encounter with God. Let me take a little drink of this. My throat's been bothering me a little bit, so... Bear with me. Is that all right? And we're going to see how when Jacob had this encounter with God, how he learned how to be persistent and how he learned to press through no matter what the issue is. And I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about prayer, persistence, and pressing through. Now, the scripture tells us you don't have to turn there now, and I'm going to kind of give you a summary out of Genesis chapter 32, if you want to go home and read that, you can. It gives us a picture of Jacob wrestling in the night with a heavenly being. It's a supernatural being. And it gives us, believe it or not, a picture of prayer. Even though this is a wrestling match, it's a physical match, yet it has spiritual significance as we're going to get into the story and before I get into the story, I want to give you a backstory. In other words, I want to give you the history of how he gets to this wrestling match and, and why he ends up there, because I think the backstory will give you a history of who he is and how he came to be at this point of wrestling with this heavenly being. The Bible says that Jacob had a twin brother by the name of Esau. Esau was the eldest. Obviously, Esau was born first. And Jacob came right behind. But the scripture tells us that Jacob cheated his brother Esau of the birthright. Now, the birthright, the firstborn son, during that time, in Old Testament time, if you were the firstborn, you got the inheritance of the family first. In other words, you had two-thirds, or you received two-thirds of the family wealth, of the family inheritance and the position in the tribe if you were a tribal leader, which in this case they were. And so Esau was going to inherit all of, this thing, all of these things because he was the firstborn. Jacob, being the younger brother, 
always wanting to have more and wanting that birthright, the scripture says that he found a way to cheat his brother out of his birthright. The Bible says that both of these brothers were completely different. They have completely different characters. Esau was more of an outdoorsman. In other words, he was a guy that, uh, you know, usually uh, the scripture said he was a hunter. He would be the kind of guy, if you saw him today, you know, driving a four-wheel drive, you know, with a skull in the back of the car. You know, he, he, he had a UFC ticket uh, uh, to the arena. He watched sports, uh, you know, all these different things. That's the kind of guy he was. And Jacob was more of an indoors guy. He had, you know, in fact, Esau was very hairy. He said he had hair everywhere. I didn't know everywhere he had hair. Esau had smooth skin. He was an indoors guy. Uh, you know, he wore cologne. Uh, he, you know, he drove a Honda. And, and uh, he liked to watch a lot of the Food Network. And so he was more of an indoors guy. And so you have two different guys right here. And one day the Bible says that Esau and Jacob... Uh, um, um, Esau had been hunting. They were teenagers at the time. Many scholars believe he was about they were about 15 years old. And Esau had been hunting all day. He comes in after hunting. He's tired. He's famished. He's starving. He hasn't eaten anything yet. And what, what do you know? Jacob is cooking some lentil soup. Man, how many, how many have ever eaten some lentil soup? And because he's been watching the Food Network, you know, he cut some onions, uh, cut some carrots, chopped up some celery, uh, some tomatoes, a pinch of garlic, a little bit of cumin, uh, a little bit of bay leaf, some oregano, some basil, and, and top it off some crushed pepper. Oh, yeah. My wife's been trying to get me healthy, so I've been learning a lot of this stuff about crushed pepper, chopping up everything, and... The other day, we, what did we chop up? We chopped up uh, jicama. Jicama's pretty good. And so you put, put it, man, you put some of that stuff, everything tastes good. Anyway, he's got the whole thing going. And, of course, uh, the aroma filled the whole house. And, of course, he, he doesn't show off because I know you, we don't show off here. But he posted it on Facebook and Instagram, uh, you know, the dish and everything. And he wants to tell people how to do it. He's not showing off. I know most of you aren't showing off. You're just showing people how you do it, right? But anyway, so he posted it up. All that there, the whole house smells like lentil soup. I mean, these beings are smelling good. If you're Mexican, you probably said, mm, it got your attention right away. Anyway, I'm Mexican, guys. So here it is. The Bible says that he's, uh, he's very hungry. Uh, Esau's hungry, and he wants to eat, and he asked his brother Jacob, Jacob, can you give me some of that lentil soup? And then Jacob finds an opportunity to say, ah, oh, this is my opportunity to get something from my brother. Maybe I can. He said, why don't we make a deal? And Esau said, what kind of a deal? What are you talking about? And, of course, when you make a deal and you negotiate, you always negotiate high. Am I right? Always shoot high. Whenever you put something on offer up, you put like $5, $10 high so you can lower it down. You know what I'm talking about. Don't act holy. Anyway, you always negotiate high. At yard sales, you know, you always put the higher price, then you negotiate. So he's negotiating high, maybe not even thinking that Esau is going to fall for the deal. So he goes for the biggest thing he can go. He goes, what about your birthright? What about that inheritance? And Esau said, the birthright? He said, who cares about the birthright? At, at a moment like this, I'm hungry, I'm starving, 
You know, maybe even Jacob was a little surprised, like, whoa, maybe, you know, I would have settled for some ear pods and, or a pair of Jordan, but man, he's going to really do this. Uh, uh, you know, because how many know teenagers can be very impulsive, thinking only about short-term gratification and not long-term effects? How many parents can say amen right now? That's right. Well, being this teenager that he is, he says, what good is that birthright this afternoon? I need to eat something. I'll trade away my birthright. Just give me the lentil soup. And sure enough, he trades his way, trades away his blessing for a bowl of lentil soup. That's all. That's all he got in return. The Bible says years later, his, their father by the name of Isaac he now can't see very well. He's very sick. He's older in age. He's about to die. It is time he realizes, that the father realizes it's time that, that to pass on the blessing because he doesn't know how much longer he has on the earth. And so he wants to make sure that he's going to bestow the blessing. I'm summarizing this for you so you don't have to read it all. And you can read it when you get home. But he basically says, he calls in Esau into his tent. He says, Esau, I need to pass on the blessing to you. But before I do that, I want you to go and hunt some deer, some game, whatever you can. Cook it up for me. Make it, make it so that I can eat it. Prepare it for me. And then after I eat it, I'm going to bestow the blessing on you. And Esau's like, yes, I'm going to get the blessing. So he goes out and hunts the food like he knows how to do. But here's the dysfunction in that family. During that time, uh, Isaac loved, he loved Esau because he was an outdoor man. Rebecca, his wife, loved Jacob because he was an indoors man. So they, one loved the other more. The mother loved Jacob more, and Isaac loved Esau more. So Rebecca is listening in on the conversation. You know, your wife, man, they hear everything. And so she's there. She's, I'm not talking about you guys. I'm just saying in the Bible. She's listening I'm using the Bible as an illustration. She's hearing everything. And so she calls her son Jacob over and she says, I just heard what your dad said. He's going to give the blessing to Esau. But check this out. I have some deer in the refrigerator. No, she doesn't say that. She says, go get some goat out there and, and kill it. And then I'm going to prepare it the way your dad likes it. And then you're going to go in and dis we're going to disguise you as Esau. And Jacob says, well, what, well, you know, how am I going to do that? I'm not as hairy. I don't have any hair on my arm. He goes, don't worry. She said, just bring the food. And, and so he does that, kills it. He goes, okay, let's get the animal skin from the goat, and we're going to put it on your arms, and we're going to put it on your neck. We're going to rub goat all over you so you can smell like Esau. Man, that's weird. You have to smell like a goat in order to smell like Esau. We're going to take all that cologne off of you so you could be that way. And then you're going to bring the food over to your dad, Isaac. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. He comes in and, he, and, and Jacob says, or Isaac says, who are you? He goes, well, it's your son. I'm Esau. And he says, man, that was fast. And you don't sound like Esau. In fact, you sound like Jacob. He says, come over here a little closer. And he comes and he brings the food. He says, extend your arms. And he extends his arm. And sure enough, he goes, hey, you are Esau. He said, come here, son. Let me give you a hug. He goes, and you smell like Esau. You, know, get that, you got that goat smell, you know, that goat cologne on. Yeah, you smell like him. He goes, but your voice is that of Jacob. 
But either way, he eats the food. Obviously, mama knows how to cook for daddy. You know, she knows she's got, she's got the right meal, so he eats it all up. And then he bestows the blessing on Jacob. Jacob leaves with the blessing of God. He walks out uh, just then. A few moments later, Esau comes in. He's prepared all the food, and he tells Dad, I'm ready. And his dad said, who are you? I'm Esau. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, I've already bestowed the blessing. He goes, that wasn't me. That was Jacob. He goes, you know what? I can't. I can't. No take back. You know what I'm talking about? No take back. I can't take back the blessing. I can't. For some reason, they couldn't take back the blessing. I don't know why. Once it was bestowed, you got it, and you couldn't get it back. He said, sorry, son, I don't have a blessing for you. And the Bible says Esau gets angry, and he gets upset. Listen to me. He's so angry that he says, I'm going to wait for my dad to pass away. And then after we mourn his death, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. And the Scripture says that when Jacob hears about it, that he leaves and for 30 years, he leaves his home and abandons it for fear for his life. But because he's kind of a crafty guy, he still becomes wealthy. In fact, if you look up the name Jacob, it means to circumvent. It means to overreach. It means someone who thrives. Or another, another definition is grasper. So Jacob lived up to his name. He was a grasper. In fact, the reason why they named him Jacob is because when Esau was born, a Jacob was holding on to his heel. I almost have to say, get back in here, man. I want to be born first. And so they named him Jacob or grasper because of that reason. Because from the very beginning of birth, he wanted to be, he wanted to be first, not second. But the Bible says now Jacob is a grasper, but it's also a second meaning to the name Jacob means deceiver or crafty. And so for 30 years now, Jacob is away from home. God has still prospered him because he's scheming his uncle, doing all kinds of things. I won't even get into that story. And the Bible said after 30 years, God speaks to Jacob and says, it's time for you to go home. And he tells them this, you need to go back to your father's house, and I'm going to be with you. And so the scripture says that Jacob obeys the voice of God, and he's on his way home. He makes his way to, uh, to uh, home where Jacob is and everything else. He's, he's going back home. He's got his family. He's got all of his wealth that he's gained, and, and he's making his way back. And the scripture said that Esau hears that he's coming, and so they're going to meet together. And so, of course, we kind of have this storyline. They're going to embrace and all that. But the Bible said that Esau comes, and he has 400 men. It's an army that are armed. That's not a good sign. How many know what I'm talking about? Your brother's coming to meet you, but he's got an army. And the Bible says that Jacob decides, you know what? I need to pray. And he crosses over the Jabbok River, and it is there that he calls out on God. And the scripture said there's the man that meets him and begins to wrestle with him. But this is what he prays in Genesis chapter 32, verse number 9. And Jacob said, O oh God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, O oh Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, 
that I may do good to you. Now listen to what's going on. Picture this. He is now there. He's praying to God. And he said, God, you said, you made a promise. You told me to go back. And look at, now I'm facing my brother. He's coming after me. It looks like I'm going to get killed. You told me I'm, I'm putting your promises before you. I'm holding the promises of God in front of you. See, some of us need to claim God's promises over your life. Are you listening to me? He said, I'm here. I'm doing what you told me to do. And then he said this in Genesis 32, verse 10. It says, I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you've shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan. He goes, I crossed it, and now I've become two camps. Now i got this whole family Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. Verse 12, but you said, I will surely do good to you or do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. Again, he prays the second time. And he says, God, I'm putting your word back in front of you. You promised. You said you were going to do this. See, when we pray, we need to declare God's promises. I said, when we pray, we need to declare God's promises. And he begins to say, God, I'm declaring your promises. And then he prays the prayer of deliverance. God, I don't want to be killed by my brother. And then all of a sudden, after he prays that prayer, there is the man that shows up and begins, begins to wrestle with him. And in their wrestling together, the Bible said that the man touches the hip and it knocks it out of socket. Have you ever had something knocked out of socket, whether it's your shoulder. It's painful, man. Could you imagine your hip? They say that the hip is the biggest bone in your body. It's the heaviest bone in your body. Could you imagine, the Bible says, that this, uh, this heavenly being or this heavenly man just touched it. That's how much power and thing got out of socket. Could you imagine how painful that must have been? But Jacob still held on. Jacob was still holding on. I don't know even how. I, I, I would have let go and said, man, I, I, got, I got a hip, man. I, 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 I got to leave this place. But the Bible says he held on to him despite the pain, despite all the things that was going on. And then the Bible says in verse 26 of Genesis 32, then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I mean, this is impressive. I mean, I was, like I said, I was talking about Esau and all the UFC stuff, but Jacob was holding on, man. He was holding on. He would not let go. And then finally, the heavenly being said, what is your name? The man asked him, and he replied, Jacob, which is kind of humorous to me because I don't believe that the man didn't know his name. He wanted Jacob to repeat his name so that Jacob could remember who he was. He was the grasper. He was the deceiver. Are you listening to me? That's how he got there in the first place, uh, by doing all the scams and all of that. And so he wanted to remind him, yes, your name is that. And then the man said this in verse 28. Stay with me here. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. Your name will now be Israel because you have wrestled with God and with men and you have won. 
which that name Israel means you have prevailed with God or you have struggled with God. Now listen to what Jacob said. Jacob answered and asked, what's your name? In other words, what about you? And the man said, why do you need to know my name? And I'm thinking, well, I don't know. Maybe, you know, you just knocked my hip out of socket here. You just gave me a new name from birth. You know, I, I've been named Jacob. Now you changed my... Maybe, maybe if I tell the story later, I'd like to say who it was that knocked my hip out of joint. I mean, maybe, maybe that's why. But we don't know if the man ever tells him his name or not. We do know that Jacob leaves the scene and he's limping. Are you listening to me? And there are multiple questions that go into who this man is. Many of us this morning, the people that have speculated and commentators said, well, this was Esau's guardian angel trying to get the blessing back. And there's no truth to that. Others say, well, you know, this must have been an angel uh, that, that was uh, there wrestling Jacob, but, but why did the angel have to leave by daybreak? I mean, was he late for choir practice? Was, was he a vampire angel? I don't know what it was. No, I, I doubt any of those things were happening. But I believe one of the keys that many theologians call a theophany, uh, and a theophany is what they call a manifestation or an appearance of God in the flesh. Others call it what they call a Christophany, which is Christ in the flesh before he's even born in a different time zone. Either way, we know it's God because in, J in verse 30, it says, Jacob named the place Peniel, meaning face of God, for, for he said, I have seen God face to face. Can you imagine that? Yet my life has been spared. So the question is, if Jacob is wrestling with God, how does God not win? Are you listening to me? How does God not win? How is it that he prevailed with God? And we're going to go back to that. But what I want to focus on this morning, somewhere along the line, after he finishes and he's limping, he goes back and now he has to face Esau. And there's nowhere to run because he's got a broken hip. Are you with me? And God changes the heart of Esau, and in fact, what does happen is when they meet, Esau embraces them. Isn't that powerful? There's a story of reconciliation. They hugged for a long time, and Jacob said, I've got all these gifts for you. I want to bless you, and they begin to hug, but not only does he reconcile his relationship with Esau, but I believe he gains a relationship with God. Somebody say Amen. Because God is about to do something powerful in Jacob's life after this wrestling match. So write this down. And I wanna, what I want to talk about here is cover a couple of different prayer points of why I believe this prayer is powerful. Number one, write this down. The blessings of God are released into our lives only through prayer. If you want the blessing, you need to pray for them. Can you say amen? It says that... Jacob said to the man, bless me, and the man blessed him. Many times we want the blessings of God, but there are many unclaimed promises that we don't claim over our lives because you don't ask for them. Do you realize that there are over 3,000 promises of God, and most believers don't claim those promises? 
Now I know many of those promises are unique for a certain situation, but I do know this in 2 Corinthians 1.20 that said that the promises of God through Christ are yes and amen. Hallelujah. And so we need to be claiming those promises over our lives. And many times when we read the Bible, do you realize that the Bible is a prayer book? That it's not just something you read, it's something you can pray through. You can pray the promises of God in the Word of God. You can appropriate those blessings over your personal life and over your family. There are many prayers in the Bible that you can claim for yourself. I was reading the other day, and they said that there are over 5.4 billion unclaimed gift cards every year. That since 2005, there are $41.5 billion worth of unclaimed gift cards. So all those gift cards, you think people are spending, you're wasting your money. No, I'm just kidding. What I'm saying to you, and, and the reason they said a lot of people, uh, they, they got the gift card, but because they don't like where the gift card is, they just put them away, or they forget about them, or they lose them. And that's how the gift card company make a lot of money because they're counting that people are not going to use them. And some of them have limits, time limits, and all these different things. And so you can't, by the time you try to get around and claim them, they're gone. They've expired. So that's why it's important that you claim, well, claim your gift card. No, claim the promises of God over your life. You need to claim the promises of God over your life. Uh, one of the promises that I believe this morning, when I look in, that bless you with children because your children have a heavenly purpose. They're like arrows of the blessings of God over yourself. This is the one I claim for myself in Psalm 84, 11. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. In other words, this morning... God, I want everything you have for me. Can you say amen? Whatever you intended for me, whatever you have for my life, I'm claiming to have had the promises of God. It says about Joseph in Deuteronomy 33, 16, that not just in a season, but you can experience the favor of God throughout your life. I'm claiming push over your life. And so Jacob was claiming to claim those promises. Number, I want to qualify this one, give up. We pray we know what I'm talking about. Resistant man in Philosophy, 100 years ago, he said this about the story of Jacob wrestling with God. He said, it, God gives us a picture of wrestling with a seemingly hostile God in prayer. That God seems to be hostile. In other words, if God's wrestling you, that's pretty hostile. And Luther points out, that in Scripture, it may sound a little disturbing to a lot of you, but many times that's the image of God, that God's a little hostile. I'll give you this example in Matthew chapter 15, verse 26. There's a woman of Canaan who comes to Jesus and says, My daughter is demon-possessed. Will you cast out that devil out of her life? And Jesus said this, talk about hostile. Jesus turns to this woman and said, I've been called to the house of Israel. And this woman says, what? And he goes, hey, I, I really need this. She, she begins to plead. And she said, it's not good to give what, on the, what God, the bread to children that belong to children and give it to dogs. Did Jesus just call that woman a dog? You said that. Amen. He did. Thank God he said it, not me. He called that woman a dog. And many scholars say, well, 
He, he, he met little dog. I don't care if it's small dog, big dog. She's been called a dog. In any culture, that's not good. I don't care where that. He called that woman a dog. And then the woman said this, yes, but even a dog eats from the king's crumbs that fall off from the table, the crumbs that fall off. And Jesus said, man, I have not heard faith like this in all of Israel. Was Jesus a little hostile? Did there seem to be a little bit of resistance? But yet this woman was still persistent. Can you say amen? amen? He ends up healing the daughter because of this woman's persistence. I'll give you another illustration. In Luke chapter 18, again, Jesus says this story, so I'm just glad Jesus said it, not me. He gives the illustration of this judge. They call him the unjust judge, a judge that doesn't care. And this widow woman, a poor widow woman, comes to him. And she said, I have this need. I need you to help me. And the Bible says, this judge said, I don't fear God, nor do I care about you. He doesn't listen to her. But the Bible says, every day she's persistent. She's showing up at his house. She's texting him. Uh, there's Instagram. There's uh, uh, things, the email. There's, uh, uh, you know, tweeting, everything. Like, the judge needs to help me. Uh, she's got, you know, signs on the freeway, you know, when he's driving. Help, judge. The whole thing. I mean, everything. She's showing up everywhere at his house. Help, help, help. And the Bible says it literally says this, that the judge says, I don't fear God, nor I, do I care about anyone. I don't care about this woman. But because she has worn me down by her persistence, I'm going to meet her need. Are you listening to me? I'm going to meet her need. And Jesus said, how much more will God meet your need? Jacob's new name is Israel, and it will appear in the Bible over 1,800 times. In fact, the descendants that come from Jacob, the lineage of Jesus Christ is in the lineage of, G uh, of Jacob because someone decided to say, you know what, I'm not going to manipulate my way no more. I'm not going to connive my way. I'm going to hold on to the promises of God and God's going to bless me the right way. Are you hearing me? We've got to get the blessing of God the right way. And this is exactly what happened to Jacob. His name was changed. And think about this. His situation didn't change, but his identity did. Are you listening to me? Says so God didn't say, okay, don't worry. Uh, uh, Esau's going to turn his heart. He didn't even know what was going to happen. He didn't know what was going to happen after he wrestled. And all of a sudden, now he can't even run from Esau. He's, you know, walking around with a broken hip because I don't have no choice but to try to go meet him and see what happens. Now he had to trust God, right? And, of course, we know they embraced and everything else. But, see, Jacob thought Esau was the problem. In reality, Jacob was the biggest problem. The fourth thing, are you ready for this? God is himself the blessing that we seek. See, many times we're seeking answers. But, you know, the greatest answer to your life is God. More than the answer to the prayer is God himself. Much of God's answer is just his presence. Sometimes all you need is the presence of God. Because we think, well, I need this and I need that to happen. No, no. Sometimes all you need is God's presence in your life. Sometimes all we need is God to come on the scene. Can you say amen? So whatever you're searching for, 
Many times you cannot replace God because God is irreplaceable. Can you say amen? God is something that we hold on. See, what, what Jacob thought he was going to get, he thought he was going to get a resolution to his problem, but he ended up getting a relationship with God. Can I tell you, your relationship with God is more important than all the resolutions of your problem. That's the greatest thing you can have. See, I believe there comes a point this morning where we need to submit ourselves to God. See, we don't like that word submission. In fact, submission is kind of a taboo word in the church. People don't want to talk about submission. But let me, let me tell you, there's two things. There's two, submission is two words combined, sub and then mission. The word sub means under, like submarine. You've heard of that, right? Submarine, under. Mission means a mission that you're on. So God is saying you need to be under my mission. Can you say Amen. For your life. In other words, this morning, basically, God, I'm going to put away my personal preferences below your mission for my life. In other words, my, my will is going to be under your mission that you have for my life. Because many times this morning we think, man, this is what I need and this is what I want. Can I tell you, sometimes God ignores what you want because that's not what you need. God knows what the answer should be. And sometimes, man, God, God says no to what you really want because that's not good for you. We think, well, this is what I need. Can I tell you, sometimes the reason why God hasn't answered that because you don't really need that. It'll harm you. It'll mess you more up. I've learned to just trust God. I've learned this morning just to submit to his will. God, I was praying for this, but obviously, God, you know what's better for me. Sometimes submission is the refusal to get in the way. Are you listening to me? Stop getting in the way of God. God's trying to do something in your life. Stop trying to get in the way. Stop trying to put your will. God knows better than you do. What God wants to do through you and in you is better than anything you can come up with. Sometimes the choices that we've made got us all messed up in the first place. We need to say, Jesus, take the will. Hallelujah. You're in charge this morning. That's why worship is so important. People come to our church and they go, man, why do you guys worship so much? Well, number one, the name of the church is Praise Chapel. We're praising God. That's what we do. But we have learned to praise God in submission. We're saying, God, I surrender. When you see people in the church lifting their hands, they're surrendering to God. That's all they're doing. Why do they lift their hands? We're surrendering to God. You, you, you do that, man. If you've ever been arrested, put your hand. You better put your hands up, man. You're under arrest. We're saying, God, I'm under arrest. God, I'm under your submission. I surrender. I'm going to sing to you. I don't care who's around. See, we only sing in the shower. But when we're in church, man, we don't care. I'm going to sing to Jesus. I'm going to give God the praise. I don't care. I'm not here to please people. I'm here to please God. And number five, and if I can get, have the musicians come up, God hears us because he becomes weak for us. See, if you're wrestling with someone this morning that's smaller than you, how many of you, if you ever had, if you ever have kids, and I remember my kids were small, they would always want to wrestle. And you ever do that with your kid? They dogpile and the whole thing. And so what you did and what I would do especially if it was a smaller one and everybody wanted to jump. I'd jump on the smaller one, but I'd make sure that there was like this air pocket so that the other kid can jump on me and he wouldn't get hurt. 
But they thought, like, man, we're all throwing it. But I was—I I didn't want to crush the poor kid. So I'd be, I'd be on him making sure. Can I tell you, that's how God is sometimes. You know, if God wanted to, he could have crushed Jacob. All he did was touch his hip. And just one touch knocked the hip out of socket. If God wants to, he can crush you. But God is trying to show you that he's not going to put all his weight on you. He's becoming weak for you. See, Jesus became weak for us. He took on the weight of our sin and the weight of the world. Can you say amen? So that we can become strong. He said, I'll take the weight on for you. You bring me your need. And even as I, when I played with my kids, I, I would take the weight. It would appear I was kind of impersonating like I was putting my weight. Sometimes I believe in this story, God was kind of impersonating like really Jacob was really wrathling him. And, and God was saying, oh, I, let me go. All God had to do is say, get out of the way, boy. You're just a fly on my shirt, man. You're nothing. But what he was honoring was the fact that Jacob wanted to hold on. If you've ever played with your kids, you kind of test their resistance. You're playing with them. You're, 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 you're oh, wow, you, got, you really got me. But, of course, you could just push them right off. You just kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, you're strong. Could it be that sometimes God is wanting to see what our persistence is and how much we're really to push in? I read this quote by John Owen. He said, the greatest insult to God is to doubt that he loves us. Have you ever felt like, man, when you pray that your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? Come on. Are you holy? I, I feel that sometimes. God, I feel like my prayer is just going nowhere. And God said, you know what? It is going nowhere. And it's going back inside you because I'm inside you. It don't need to go above the ceiling. I'm in you. I'm, I'm empowering your life. Amen. I, I'm working through you. So the God of the universe this morning wants a personal relationship with all of us. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.